Thank you for joining me here at From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining me here at From Sobriety to Recovery. I'm trying out a new approach to the show because I simultaneously wanted to shoot a Facebook Live today, and I also wanted to be able to record this episode to come out before my two-year anniversary on Sunday of sobriety. I wanted to do them both simultaneously. So for those of you who have who are catching this on Facebook Live, Hello, this is me, and you can see everything I'm doing. And for those of you that are listening via the podcast, uh, just know that I'm also doing it live so that, uh, on Facebook, and you'll be able to find this at From Sobriety to Recovery on Facebook. And so if I reference anything on the board behind me, I'll make sure that I actually speak about it as well because I don't want you guys listening um, via whatever podcasting app you're listening to to feel left out of the of the jam. So today's episode is going to be about the six human needs. And one of the reasons why I'm really excited about talking about the six human needs is the way that these were referenced to me when I first got into neurolinguistic program training and learned about these via Tony Robbins from Matt Browning and from other people who are into this. And if you've under, if you've ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs or the Dilts pyramid, there's going to be a lot of similarities here as well. Um, the six human needs are this: certainty. Number two is variety or uncertainty. Number three is significance. Number four is love and connection. Number five is growth, and number six is contribution. You'll be able to find these in the show notes over at Podbean or whatever uh, app you're listening to. And of course, those of you who are listening live are going to be able to see this right now. One of the reasons this is so important to me for me to cover as I start getting deeper into the podcast, I want to cover some foundational aspects of how you guys can start to see your life and think about why is it that you do certain things? Why are some of your actions more uh, geared towards an habitual streak and why are some things just more left to whims or chances. Um, Tom and I were just recording our other podcast, uh, my, my other podcast, College Success Habits, and in there we started talking about good habits and bad habits. And in reality, there is no such thing. A habit is a habit is a habit. It's the intention that you set and the outcome that it brings you that ultimately makes it good or bad. Okay, as a, as a former um, addict, somebody who's in recovery from addiction, a lot of the habits I had instilled in myself were put in place to make sure that I didn't get fired from my job, that I didn't get a DUI, that I didn't get caught doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. Uh, one of my best habits that I ever created as an alcoholic was the act of knowing how to lock my foot to my knee to the steering wheel so that I wouldn't swerve when I was driving. I know, look, don't, let's put the mad and the sad stuff aside. What I was doing was really wrong, and I, I admit that, and I apologize to people who have a, some sort of trigger that that, that that raises in you. But yes, I did a lot of drinking and driving, and one of the ways that I got away with doing that for two decades, or if not more, was the fact that I had a way of locking my my ankle, my foot, my ankle, and knee up against the steering wheel so that my hands weren't involved and I would just be able to go straight. And this was a habit I created to make sure that I didn't get a DUI. Guess what? It did not always work out. And I had a lot of accidents um, through my drinking. And that's a whole other story. But I'm sure for those of you um, listening or watching, you guys, if you've had problems with addiction, you've got similar stories. And this is why we want to discuss the six human needs and how they actually relate 
to ways that we find ourselves in the situations that we do. Because if you can take three of these, now heaven forbid something that you do, or heaven be good if something that you do takes up all six of these, because then the charge in you that causes you to take it on as an importance in your life significantly raises higher to the point where it is the most important thing going. If you have children out there, I can assure you that all six of these human needs are taken care of here. It's one of the reasons why even people who never had a child who all of a sudden have one say it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to them. It's, It's because all of these human needs are immediately enveloped by having that child. You have the certainty of well, you have as much certainty as you can in knowing that the child will be safe, but you have the certainty of knowing you've just had a child. The variety that comes from owning it, from having it, owning a child. You don't own children. <laughs> I'm getting a little excited because I'm trying to do this on two media platforms at once. You get the variety of having a child and all the insanity that, that that brings, the significance that you are to that child, the love and connection you get from said child, the growth that you both experience as you are you raise the child, and of course the contribution that you have to the child and, and what the child gives back to you. But let's discuss it as an addict. When I left high school, I wasn't the most popular kid. I wasn't the coolest kid. And when I got into college, first thing I wanted to do was be able to grow a big social circle, um, be attractive to women, have parties going on every night if that's what I wanted. I wanted the things that I was not able to have in high school. If you're in high school, if you know a high school kid, this this will work too. If you start asking yourself, well, I wonder why my kid started hanging out with the bad kids. Well, if he couldn't get the the cool kids to hang out with him, if he couldn't have the significance of being somebody important in the cool kid circle, if he didn't have that connection with the cool kids, if he wasn't able to contribute or get variety from being involved in those social circles, the easiest social circle to join in all of mankind is the addiction social circle. Because if you don't feel like you belong anywhere else, you're going to be able to find a bar that you can be the norm at or you can be the cliff at. You're going to be able to find a place that is happy you're there. If you're a fun person to be around, and even if you're not, even if you're you know, a hooligan who wants to throw down, you're going to be able to find a place where that kind of behavior is welcome. And so for me, getting into college, and one of the reasons why addiction just became my in thing the moment I did it, was because I immediately got significance. I joined a fraternity. Now all of a sudden, I had that tribal connection that I so wanted. I was in college, so growth was going to happen regardless of what tribe I chose. Contribution, I had my little circle. And then, of course, the certainty of knowing that these guys were going to be around, even if they didn't always like me. One of our favorite sayings uh, at the fraternity was brother by chance, friend by choice. So there was the uncertainty of knowing if they were going to like you. And then, of course, the certainty of knowing certain ones did. Think about your addiction ways and think about like when you showed up to the party, if you brought a 12 pack and a bag of weed, you know, you show up, there's going to be the variety of being at a party and, and all these people being unfamiliar to you. Of course, there's going to be the certainty of knowing your friends are there. Significance, you just rolled in with a bag of weed and a 12-pack of beer, right? So now you've got the significance of being the person who showed up with the party supplies. Contribution, you just showed up with party supplies. Um, and then, of course, the connection you get from sitting around and drinking beer and chain-smoking cigarettes and getting stoned with people, right? Like, you just... I mean, you. I don't know about growth, but 
when I used to drink a lot and do drugs, I thought I was growing. I thought that I th- I literally thought that my you know, my mind was growing. I was you know, you're I was growing as an adult. I had all these really mature, interesting conversations. I can assure you. <laughs> No matter how cool you think your conversation is high on cocaine, it's a, it is probably ridiculous if anyone was overhearing it that was sober. Because all of a sudden you're like, well, we, should, we should invent a spaceship that only knows how to fly to Pluto. And then we just get a bunch of booze and just get drunk all the way to Pluto, right? <laughs> I can promise you I've had a conversation like that without even knowing for a fact. I just feel pretty confident. So when you're thinking about how it is you got into addiction, Start looking back at what it was that you, most of us get into addiction at a younger age, whether it be middle school or high school or the college years. But if, even if you were older and you got into an addiction mindset, start looking at why some of those reasons were. Start looking at what of these human needs were not being taken care of. Out of certainty, variety, significance, love and connection, growth, contribution, what was not being met that got you on the the bad side of life or the bad side of a habit. You know, if you if you overeat, did you notice that all of a sudden you started hanging out at places where other people would overeat? Did you notice that all of your friends were the kind who overate? Have you ever and for those of you out there, let's just go with the weight issue because a lot of people are not thrilled with their weight, right? And let's we'll put aside the whole self-esteem and and the the personification that our society is putting on people who are fit and let's just look at it as this abstract thing this abstract idea of being overweight if you are and all of your friends are also overweight and then you decide to try a new diet they're either all going to get on board with your diet or they're going to ridicule you and pull you back because they don't want you to lose weight they don't want you to be the one who all of a sudden has the body that everybody sees on the magazines because you're not going to want to hang out with them. Or even if you do, now they're going to have to look at you and see in themselves something they could attain if they were willing to put themselves in the position you did to succeed. Now I'm getting chills because this has got me super freaking hyped right now because this is the kind of mindset I had to check myself into when I first got into sobriety and recovery. You cannot be into meth, into coke, into heroin, into booze, into whatever it is you're trying to kick and keep hanging out with those same people. They're not going to want to see you succeed. If, if, if all your friends are alcoholics and drunks and then you all of a sudden get sober and you get in shape and your bank account's got money in it and people are starting to love you and treat you better and you're treating other people better and then boom, 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 you just keep stacking it up. What, why, why would they want to hang out with you? They're either going to want to drag you back down or they're going to want to ostracize your ass out of, their, out of their group because now you make them look at themselves in the mirror differently. And no one wants to do that unless they're willing to confront their own personal demons. This, you don't have to just be an alcoholic or, or a, a former drug addict or in sobriety or in recovery to understand what I'm saying right now. You have seen something in yourself that you have strove to change, that you are striving to change, and then watched people around you either support that or try to pull you back. I I guarantee it. There is something in your life you have gone to change and you have quickly seen who those people are that are on board and who those people are who are not. 
And you have to ask yourself, those people who are not on board, what are they losing from losing you in their social circle? What are they losing of these six human needs that you were fulfilling? That if you go off and you change and you become this different person, now you're no longer fulfilling those. This is integral. Out of all the things I'm going to talk about, this is a foundational moment, guys. Because this stuff, it is an undercurrent in your world that it is programming that is has that that went into you at such a young age that you won't even see how this stuff it's like your computer just it just runs certain programs and it doesn't even know why it just all the zeros and the ones and the x's and the o's well, that's sports never mind that's football they all just happen but all of a sudden you get an update Right, And now your computer is running better than somebody else's computer who didn't get that update. When you start to update yourself, you're going to start changing what your human needs mean to you. For me, back in the day when I was in addiction, love and connection meant showing up at the party and have everybody be totally thrilled that I was there. I had significance because I showed up with the drugs. I had a connection to the people who knew I was going to show up with the drugs. And I had contribution to the party as a whole because I was bringing drugs. Now, the significance I want is, is doing these kind of videos and teaching you guys the awesome stuff that I spend hundreds, if not thousands of hours learning and th talking to my peers about and discussing here in Los Angeles. The connection I have is wanting to know when you guys reach out to me via private messages that something is really clicking with you, that something's really making you happy. And then, of course, the contribution, the growth, the certainty, all of this stuff. It is just absolutely fantastic how once I got myself into sobriety and recovery, how what these things meant to me changed. And when you go off and you try to make a major change in your life, write these things down and see if the people who are butting heads with you are starting to lose some of these six human needs that you were giving to them. And start asking yourself, are these people going to be able to stay in my life? Gary Vee talks a lot about cutting toxic people from your life. And he also says that it's not easy. Cutting your mother, your brother, your father, a best friend for your entire life, cutting them out because you are wanting to make a change that they're not willing to get on board with is not going to be easy. But if you want to live the best version of yourself, you've got to start asking, what are you willing to sacrifice to keep making that person happy? If all of your friends like to overeat and, you're, and you want to stop, you might have to change friends. If all your friends want to drink seven nights a week or want to get plowed on a Saturday night and instead you want to go hiking or you want to go get up early in the morning and you want to do something super awesome, you're probably not going to be able to keep those friends. These six human needs have been something that I, I look at on a regular basis and ask myself, what is it that I'm doing that's going to fulfill these? And what is it that I'm doing that I would rather not be fulfilled by these? Yeah, I don't get to walk into the party and everybody cheer because I rolled in with a 24-pack. Well, I'm also not 25 years old and a sophomore at University of Florida anymore. I'm in my 40s now. And this fear of missing out and this you only live once mentality has got me into this position. Now when somebody says, oh, man, you should have come out to the club last night. It was huge. It was a rager. It was so awesome. I'm like, I mean, you know, I once went to England for a Millennium Rave and saw Tiesto and Paul Oakenfold and Van Dyke on the stage at the same time. There was people, I've been to clubs where people were in, like, 
boxes that were chained to the ceiling and dancing around while people shot foam guns, like foam, like soap suds, at them. And we were in a huge soap sud party with a water slide into a pool. And was it like that? <laughs> no? Well, then I didn't miss anything because whatever you saw, I've seen. And so for some of you, you're like, well, Jesse, I need to live that life. I need to enjoy those things. I need to go out and experience that so that I can want, so down the road I can say, been there, done that. And that's fine. You go experience those things. Just monitor how many drugs you take. Monitor how much alcohol you drink. I assure you there was people at that party that were sober and having the time of their life. You can be one of those people too if you go into it with the mindset that being intoxicated doesn't mean I'm having a good time. I've been to a couple of weddings since I got sober, and while it was a blast for me to see those people, and I genuinely was happy I was there, what I saw was a lot of people drinking excessively to make what was just a great time a really fantastic time. Because in their head, well, I got so plowed last night, it must have been amazing. Well, you know, do you remember from 9.30 to 10.45? Because I do. Do you remember all the great conversations that you had? Or was it just standing at the bar a lot, chain-smoking cigarettes, and, and talking about stuff that you don't even remember the next day? It's what The unfortunate thing about these six human needs is that because they can be feel fulfilled with so much, oftentimes they can be fulfilled by, bad, by habits that are not great. And again, like I was talking about earlier, what Tom and I were referencing, habits are neither good nor bad. It's the, it's the intention of what you, why you're setting them and then the outcome that leads you there. That's one of the things that I will be discussing a lot in this podcast and in my other one called College Success Habits. It literally is about setting successful habits is that start to look in your life the things that you do that you really love. If you love playing baseball with the rec league, there's a certainty that games are always on Tuesday night. There's the variety of the fact that every single time the ball's thrown, something new is going to happen. So the significance of being the first baseman, the connection you get from hanging out with everyone and celebrating after a, a, a run was scored, the growth that you get of within your social circle of those moments that help you guys grow together. And then, of course, the contribution. You're on a team, for goodness sakes. When Whatever you're choosing to do, the more it fulfills of these human needs, the more likely it's going to become something that you want to do often. And if going and playing baseball with the rec league every Tuesday night is good for you because you're you're not ignoring your family or skipping out on work or you know you're not so bad that you get hit by a pitch every single time you play in the noggin <laughs> you know stick that aside if what you're choosing to do fulfills these in a positive way the more they fulfill the more likely you are to make it a habit and do it all the time likewise if addiction and alcohol and drugs were a problem and you're starting to say okay you know i've in my meetings i see people who are addicted you know in my world look in my world meth and heroin are way 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 harder things to kick than my little frat boy coke habit or my drinking habit like when i hear people talking about meth and heroin i i'm like i really genuinely feel for them because that stuff seems excruciatingly difficult to let go of but cocaine and alcohol, especially alcohol because it's legal, are way more socially acceptable. So if you're talking about that at a party, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of people shun you. But if you're talking about going off and you know, shooting up or, or smoking some crystal, you might get less people wanting to hang out with you. 
the point I say all that for is when you go to get into sobriety and recovery, start looking at what your addiction, how it was fulfilling these six human needs, and then ask yourself, what is it you can do in your new life that will replace the human needs that were being fulfilled by that addiction now can be fulfilled by sobriety and recovery? Right? You start, you, the reason why everyone says go to AA or start going to refuge or start going to meetings in general is because now you've got a connection with other people in recovery. Growth. You're talking about your feelings. You're talking about sobriety and recovery. You're, you're, you are contributing to a tribe. The certainty. Meetings are the same, the same night, the same day. Every sing, constantly, if a meeting is at 7 o'clock on a Tuesday, it will not, not be there. Right? The variety, you're going to get that from all the different people that could show up. And now you've got six human needs that are locked in by going to that one AA meeting. And this is why those meetings work. For some people, they lock themselves into a meeting every single day. They need that certainty. They, they need to go there and contribute. They need that connection. It's, what the, it's the driving force that keeps them sober. For me, I don't go to those meetings because I've found other ways that these six human needs are fulfilled that don't require me to go to meetings. I, I, tonight, what time is it? It is 5.30. I've got my therapist at Kaiser at 6.30. When I wrap this up, I'm going to wolf down a little bit of food, and I'm going to go up to the hospital. Well, we're going to talk about what's been going on in my life. Right? The certainty of knowing I'm going to see her every week or two. The variety of not knowing what we're going to talk about, but knowing it's going to be awesome. The significance that I have this woman's attention, who is a trained Psych psychotherapist. She's just a trained therapist. And she's going to be able to give me amazing feedback on what I'm doing. The connection that I get from her from knowing that she genuinely cares about where my life is going. The growth, please, this woman, she, I grow like a weed when I talk to her. And of course, the contribution. We're both contributing to a conversation that's leading me towards a positive outcome, leading me towards a positive life. Boom, six human needs on lock. That's why she's my favorite hour of the week. That's why this woman's meetings I will not miss. Let's see if, okay, that was super, super exciting. And for those, I, I would love to be reading um, the notes, guys, but I'm also recording the podcast. Let's see what some people, the guys who are listening on the podcast, let's see what some people are saying. Um, let's see, Yolanda says that she wasn't interested in social circles in high school. I just wanted to graduate and move on. These are good questions and insight. Ask yourself then, Yolanda, because you wanted to graduate, right, and you wanted to move on out of that world, what, in what ways were you getting those human needs met by not focusing on the social circles? I can guarantee you still had somebody you talked to. You still had someone, right? Maybe it was the fact that you wanted growth outside of the confines of high school, right, that you knew that out there was the significance that you, that you desired. So you got those grades, and you made sure that when you left, you could go to college, and you could become the version of yourself you wanted, right? There is still certainty from knowing every single day you were going to go to high school. There is still the variety of not knowing how the interactions on the hallway were going to go. And of course, there is growth. Again, I think, like I've said before in the past, you know, you're Growth is happening whether you like it or not. Setting the intentions for the positive growth is what I want you guys to get on board with. I, you know, it's, I once said, um, like, relationships are either dying in the shade or thriving in the sunshine. But either way, there's growth. It's either to death or it's either to a fulfilling, thriving life. So it, growth is happening no matter what. Um, let's see. They don't want you to succeed. Yep. Christy says so true. People don't want you to su succeed And it. And it's look, 
this isn't something that is, I'm just getting so, so supercharged. This, people not wanting to succeed is, most people don't have malice in that. They don't wake up and say, how can I stop Jesse from succeeding today? Right? Most people aren't that person. They just know that they're in their comfort zone. They're in their comfort shell, and they like you, and maybe they and you fulfill whatever here you, that, you, that you do for them. They'll, they may never truly know what you fulfill, but they'll just know that there's something about you that fulfills it. And to see you go off and stop drinking so much means you're not going to hang out with them anymore because the whole reason you hung out was because you were drinking with them or because you always met at the cake buffet. So it, it, they, it's, it's, most of them don't have the malice of please, please, please don't succeed. It's almost like, please, please, please don't leave me. And if you think about it that way, please, please, please don't leave me. Instead of, why are you trying to hold me back? If you can approach people in that manner, you're going to have a much more honest and vulnerable conversation with them. If I have to say goodbye to a friendship because I no longer feel like that person's helping me grow and I feel like I'm going off in a different direction and I say, I'm leaving because you won't let me become the person I want to be. You're holding me back. I mean, that's going to, that is talk about burning a bridge. But if you leave and you have that conversation under the, with the intention of, I understand that me changing this way is causing our connection to be in question, our connection to not be as strong as it used to be, our connection to have to come into the actual light of why we had it to begin with. I always hung out with you because you always had the drugs and I always had the liquor. And now that I don't want the drugs, I don't do the liquor, now all of a sudden, can we find a different reason to connect? a different way to connect. And if we can't, it's okay. It's just time for me to go in a different direction. Like Christy just says, yes, not malicious, just not in their comfort zone. All right, let's see what Jessica says. A lot of those crazy experiences I experienced, I don't even remember. Life is one million percent better sober. Um, For Jessica, she was one of my... She was secretly someone that I looked up to and had admired. A couple of times we would connect via Facebook. Now, for those of you who don't know Jessica the way I do or don't know our history, we knew each other in Orlando. Um, she, Her and I party hard because we worked at the same restaurant. And she moved with me to the University of Florida where we continued to party hard. And at one, so after I think the first year or two, we no longer were roommates, but we always were in the same social circle. And I loved and adored this woman still to this day. And we threw down, guys. And when she got sober, I remember thinking, man, that's amazing. Like, that's wow. Because we used to party hard. And rather than look at her like, oh, my goodness, uh, I can't be friends with her anymore. What, what, is she weak? She couldn't handle it? She couldn't? No. No, I saw that as a strength. Because she went off and got sober and went off and got a degree and became a teacher and fell in love and got married and now has this amazing life that would not exist had she stayed doing what she was doing. A version of her life would exist, but I don't think for a moment it would be this version, and she loves this version. 
There was a lot of people, uh, Michael J comes to mind. He's a musician who used to live in Gainesville who now lives in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been sober for longer than both of us. I think he's got eight. I think Jessica's at six or seven. I'm, I'm coming up on two Sunday. And it's like this guy used to have a song called Jägermeister. Jägermeister, Jägermeister, Jägermeister always makes you feel fucked up. And we would sing it, and we would all do shots of Jäger. We'd already done enough, but we were doing more. And to see these people go off and get sober and, and get into recovery was so inspiring. Rather than try to kick them out of the social circle, I just remember thinking, I can't wait to be a part of what they're doing. I just had to make that decision for myself. And part of that decision-making process, guys, is figuring out what human needs were being met when you were, a, when you were an addict and what human needs can now be met through sobriety and recovery that will replace all of those. I'm about to wrap up the show, but I've said this before. If you just quit using and you still go home and sit on your couch in your underwear and eat donuts and watch The Simpsons, nothing about your life has changed except you've taken away the alcohol and drugs. You're going to find that very unfulfilling, and you're probably going to relapse. But if you get sober and instead of going home after work every day, you go to a meeting or you go play baseball or you go to the gym, you go and get a healthy smoothie, you go read a book, you just start you start making these changes in your habit structure. And it's not going to be easy because for, for most of us, we have been addicts for so long, I don't even remember what it was like to not be an addict. When I started going to places like amusement parks and zoos and bowling, when I was when I finally when I got sober at, at forty, this was the first time I'd done some of those things since I was under the my parents' house. Since I was under the roof of my parents, I don't remember what it was like to go to a zoo and not have a bottle of vodka poured into a one poured into like a water bottle like this. I remember what it was like to go bowling and not drink three pitchers of beer and take a couple oneies in the bathroom. I don't, but I figured it out. And it was uncomfortable at first, but I knew it was the best, best thing for me. And so in closing, one of the reasons I knew it was the best thing for me is because I had read and watched enough. I watched, I actually started learning about this um, on YouTube, on TED Talks and things of that nature about the six human needs. And then when Matt Browning had mentioned that if you can lock in a new, if you can lock in an activity or a new habit with three of these, then it can become an, uh, he, he mentioned it. And as an addiction, but there can be good addictions. Not all addictions are bad. You know, you know. I saw a meme recently that said something to the effect of "obsessed" is just what the lazy call those who are dedicated. Um, so there's other there's there's a lot of different perspectives of this, but you know, addictive behavior is only bad if it's leading you to bad outcomes. You know, I I'm addicted to going to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday from one to three. I just, I am, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's, I don't schedule clients during that time. I don't allow meetings during that time. I won't change it. Oh, can you meet at one? It only took a half hour. No, one to three. That's my AA meeting. That's something that is non-negotiable. And we're going to talk more about non-negotiabilities at a different podcast, but we're hitting 30 minutes guys. And thank you so much for joining me. Let's see if anybody else is, is, is piped in. I think, oh, let's see. Um, you will then, let's see what Yolanda says. You will then something to think about when you walk away and your life goes into a new direction. Yes. Does the person have to have a reason to change? I think people are scared. Um, yeah. I mean, here you all, uh, Yolanda brought this up for those of you listening via the podcast is that do you, you have a reason to change? 
if something isn't going great, if you're waking up on your bedroom floor, running outside to make sure your car's there, looking at your bank account and it's constantly empty and you're in debt, um, Americans have a shopping problem. We have a commerce. We like to buy things. If you're constantly in debt so that you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and have the newest thing, ask yourself, what is it? what human need are you trying to fulfill that shopping is doing for you? Do you have the newest pair of shoes so you always feel connected to the people with the newest pair of shoes and now you have significance because you're always the first one with the new pair of shoes? And you have the variety of, of going shopping and not knowing what you'll buy, but the certainty of knowing that you'll leave with something. And then, of course, the growth besides your debt is maybe the social um, encouragement you get from people whenever they see you with the cool, the newest cool thing. Everything that you're doing can be found within these six human needs. And just ask yourself genuinely and with mercy on yourself, am I doing something to fulfill these human needs that is negatively affecting me? And if you are, start figuring out how you can get those human needs met with more of a positive outcome, with more of a positive nature. And you will see wonderment in your life, and you will see change, and you will see growth. And you, you like think about this for yourself. If you get sober, there's a certainty of knowing I'll never wake up on my bedroom floor again. There's the variety of knowing I don't know what my day is going to be like, but I know it won't be spit in a bar. Now when I go travel places, I don't spend most of the time at a bar at night. I'm, at, I'm back in the hotel early or the Airbnb, and I'm getting up early, and I'm going and seeing really cool museums and stuff that I always wanted to see. I was just always too hungover to go. Or I was drinking the booze while I was in them. The significance of, of just being that person who goes and travels. I'm going to close up on this because this is something I find really funny. And even this far into sobriety and recovery, I call it adulting. There's these little hits of dopamine that I get from doing things I think other people who are adults who don't have addiction in their lives do. Um, going on a road trip, paying bills on time, um, Today I had a client meeting at 9 a.m. I showed up right at 9 a.m. for it. To me, that's adulting. It's like, yay, I did some cool adulting stuff today. Those, those little dopamine hits I get from adulting are better than any kind of rush I used to get from using. Because I, just, I, I see in myself a version of me finally that has been hiding and so I encourage you all to find a way to make the things you do on a regular basis, one, positive. And if they're not, look at these human needs and figure out what is it that's being accomplished that leads to those negative habits, those, those negative outcomes for yourself, and start flipping them around and see how you can turn them to positive because will, this will blow your freaking mind. And if you are in sobriety and recovery, by all means, start writing down what going to those meetings. Start writing down why is that person in your life? You know, what, what, what's, what positivity are you getting back from that? What positivity are you bringing into theirs? Because remember, if you're fulfilling these human needs for someone else, they're going to genuinely want you in their life. They're genuinely going to want to spend time with you. This is how you make friends. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. This is it. This is how you succeed at your job. This is how you make yourself happy. This is how people want you around. This is how you make an impact on life and create a legacy. It's this. Certainty, 
uncertainty and variety, significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. These are the six human needs that make up what everybody wants. There's others that people try to add. And again, the Dilt's Pyramid and the Maslow hierarchy of needs, it's all there for you. Um, so there you go, guys. I hope you so much have enjoyed this. This has been a different, a little different because I'm recording it as the podcast, but I'm also shooting it as a Facebook Live. So if you really want to see what it looks like when I get super animated while I record these podcasts, you should go over to at Sobriety and Recovery and check out the video there entitled The Six Human Needs. Um, I will post that up in the videos. For those of you who've watched me on Facebook Live, I appreciate, as always, your guys' time. I know that time is of precious, precious commodity. And the fact that you've given me your prioritization focus today makes me so happy. For those of you on the podcast I, as well, your prioritization and focus means the world to me. Um, go over uh, on Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes, um, Spotify. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. Give me some feedback. Tell me what it is that you guys want to hear more of. I'm so excited to be bringing this stuff to you. I, I really hope that it resonates with you in one way or another. And By all means, shoot me up a direct message um, via Facebook or Instagram or any of those things if there's a topic you'd like me to cover. Thank you so much for your time today, guys. I really appreciate it. As always, remember the power of positive energy, release, and flow. Go out there and be great to one another. Take care now. Goodbye.